New details on Ray Epps and January 6th. Law enforcement's horrific failed response to the Uvalde, Texas school massacre and the latest on good guys with guns actually stopping bad guys with guns on this edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 197 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Tuesday, July 19th, 2022. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to mention. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. All right, now a question for you. Are you familiar with Revolver.News? That is a remarkable website. The guy that is in charge of it is a guy named Darren J. Beatty. He's been on with Tucker Carlson on Fox News a number of times. And he's the guy that really broke the story about Ray Epps and January 6th wide open. Now, of course... Ray Epps is a guy who, more than anyone, is on video instigating a lot of things the night before January 6th and then even the day of January 6th. But he's never testified publicly, never been indicted, none of that stuff. Well, Darren J. Betty at Revolver.News has an update, new article, the hidden agenda behind the New York Times' desperate puff piece on Ray Epps. And here's what they say. The New York Times just released a puff piece on Ray Epps that is hugely important. Ray Epps, the only person caught on camera repeatedly directing people into the Capitol is the only January 6th rioter for whom the New York Times has written a highly sympathetic puff piece. And they have a screenshot of the picture of Ray Epps and his wife, the title of the New York Times puff piece, It's Just Been Hell, Life as the Victim of a January 6th Conspiracy Theory. The subhead, Ray Epps, became the unwitting face of an attempt by pro-Trump forces to promote the baseless idea that the FBI was behind the attack on the Capitol. So, Revolver.News says, to get acquainted with Epps, watch the following video compilation. All right, do we have that? Yep, here it is. Tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. Tomorrow, I don't even know. 
don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say it. We need, we need to say go, it. I'll say it. All right. We need to go into the Capitol. No, Dave, but one more thing. Yeah, so can we go up there? No? When we go in. Are we going to get arrested when we go up there? Yeah. You don't need to get shot. arrest us all? Revolver.news says, again, this is the one January 6th rioter the New York Times has managed to write a puff piece for. From the New York Times, here's an excerpt. In the Rocky Mountains. Up a winding country road in a trailer park, a half mile from a cattle ranch, lives a man whose life has been ruined by a January 6th conspiracy theory. Ray Epps has suffered enormously in the past 10 months as right-wing media figures and Republican politicians have baselessly described him as a covert government agent who helped to instigate the attack on the Capitol last year. Strangers have assailed him as a coward and a traitor, and have menacingly cautioned him to sleep with one eye open. He was forced to sell his business and his home in Arizona. I wonder if they vetted any of these claims, or they're just down for the struggle. They're in the tank. Fearing for his safety and uncertain of his future, he and his wife moved into a mobile home in the foothills of the Rockies with all of their belongings crammed into shipping containers in a high desert meadow a mile or two away. And for what? Lies? Mr. Epps asked the other day with a look of pained exhaustion. All of this has just been hell. An excerpt. Revolver.news grabbed from New York Times. And then they say, let's skip straight to the buried lead. Here we see a reference to a text message Ray Epps sent to his nephew describing how he, quote, orchestrated movements of people, unquote, to the Capitol after Trump's speech. Again, another excerpt from the New York Times. Mr. Epps also said he regretted sending a text to his nephew well after the violence had erupted, in which he discussed how he helped to orchestrate the movements of people who were leaving Mr. Trump's speech near the White House by pointing them in the direction of the Capitol. Okay. So Revolver.News asks, will this text message soon become a matter of public record? What exactly is Ray Epps phrasing? Will other Ray Epps communications soon come out that will further clarify the sudden need for aggressive damage control? For clarification, this is a video compilation of Epps orchestrating movements to the Capitol. We wonder how precisely Epps described his decision to do so. All right? So here's the, um, yeah, here's the next one from Ray Epps. Fascinating, isn't it? This is the one January 6th guy who hasn't been prosecuted. Revolver.news says, oh, and here, and here. So let me let me grab the next one. 
Let me grab the next one. As soon as President Trump is finished speaking, we are going to the Capitol. It's that direction. That's where our true problems lie. President Trump is done speaking. We are going to the Capitol. That's where our problems are. Revolver.news says, getting back to the New York Times piece is also important to note that the piece contains no explicit denial by Ray Epps of association with military intelligence, Homeland Security, Joint Terrorism Task Force, or any cutouts or intermediaries. We have references to, quote, lies, unquote, and Epps wish that, quote, the truth come out, quote, unquote, in addition to denial of association with law enforcement, but not military intelligence, not Homeland Security, not Joint Terrorism Task Force or any of their cutouts or intermediaries. Darren J. Beatty, Revolver.News, says, I wonder if the author of the New York Times piece, Alan Fewer, could clarify for the record, did he ask Ray Epps if he had any association with any intelligence agencies or cutouts of such agencies? If so, what did he say? If not, why not? Why didn't you ask him? Alan Fewer's New York Times piece describes Ray Epps as a Trump supporter. He says, quote, Trump traveled to Washington. It's got to be Epps. Sorry, typo. Epps traveled to Washington to back Mr. Trump, unquote. And that he, quote, took a last-minute trip to Washington for Trump's speech about election fraud, unquote. Yeah, here's, here's another excerpt. Mr. Epps said that he had acted stupidly at times when he and one of his sons took a last-minute trip to Washington for Mr. Trump's speech about election fraud. Again, Darren J. Beatty, Revolver.News, says the only problem is Ray Epps didn't go to Trump's speech. That's right. This alleged Trump supporter traveled all the way from Arizona to D.C. and didn't even attend Trump's speech. Instead, he spent the evening of January 5th and the morning of January 6th telling people to go into the Capitol. Did Alan Fewer, the obscure New York Times reporter who penned the puff piece on Ray Epps, think to ask so-called Trump supporter Ray Epps why he traveled all the way to Washington, D.C. and then skipped Trump's speech? For that matter, did Alan Fewer ask where Epps got the idea to urge people to go into the Capitol in the first place? Did it occur to Ray Epps out of the blue? Did someone else give Ray Epps the idea? If so, who? The whole purpose of the January 6th committee is supposed to be to figure out what caused the events of January 6th. Ray Epps was calling for people to go into the Capitol the evening before. Wouldn't it be newsworthy? to know where Ray Epps got the idea and why he was so doggedly fixated on that particular mission? The very fact that these questions were not asked 
indicates that this is one of the sloppiest and most transparent cover-up jobs in New York Times history. A total fewer job. F-E-U-E-R, Alan Fewer. New York Times piece attempts to wave off Ray Epps' January 6th participation as negligible, similar to those who committed minor offenses and weren't charged. Here's another excerpt. While Mr. Epps was a participant in some of the events that unfolded on January 6th, the claim that he inspired the Capitol riot in a false flag plot is solely based on the fact that he has never been arrested and therefore must be under the protection of the government. But scores, if not hundreds of people, who appear to have committed minor crimes that day were investigated by the FBI but have not been charged or taken into custody. All right? But Revolver.News says, yet Ray Epps is the key person caught on video with an advance plan to go into the Capitol. He's there the morning of January 6th directing people to the Capitol. And he's right up at the barricade during the initial, initial breach, after which he rushes into the restricted area. Note that many others, including Jeremy Brown, Owen Schroyer, Mark Ibrahim, Cooey Griffin, have been hit with trespassing charges for doing exactly that. But Ray Epps isn't open to just a trespassing charge. Not enough has been said about the significance of the following video. Note Ray Epps' message, when we go in, leave this here. Ray Epps says this just minutes before the initial breach of the Capitol grounds. Let's see, I, I think... Let me make sure I got the right one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Here it is. As soon as President Trump is finished speaking, we are going to the Capitol. It's that direction. That's where our true problems lie. President Trump is done speaking. We are going to the Capitol. That's where our problems are. Hey, folks, we need your help. As soon as President Trump stops speaking, we are going to the Capitol. The Capitol is in that direction. Okay, hang on. I think that's the one I already played. I apologize. Let me just grab this off of the... Um, it's embedded in the article. All right. No, Dave, but one more thing. Yeah, so can we go up there? No? When we go in... Are we going to get arrested if we go up there? Yeah. You don't need to get shot. arrest us all? All right, you got that? When we When we go in, leave this here. We don't need to get shot. Revolver.News says, how is this not a basis for a conspiracy charge? For some perspective, January 6th defendant George Tanios faces serious conspiracy charges for saying, quote, hold on, hold on, not yet, not yet, it's still early, unquote, when his alleged co-conspirator asked for bear spray. Yeah. During the investigation, Law enforcement discovered open-source media video of the incident from January 6, 2021, on the video. Felix Cater, his co-defendant, is seen making his way towards George Tanios. Cater then states, give me that bear explosive deleted, and reaches into the backpack on Tanios's back. Tanios then states, hold on, hold on, not yet, not yet, it's still early. Cater is then seen 
Well, that's where they cut it off. Let me let me let me refresh this. But this verbal exchange, this verbal exchange between Cater and Tanios, together with Cater's retrieval of the bear spray from Tanios, reveals the two were working in concert and had a plan to use the toxic spray against law enforcement. Ray Epps' participation in the January 6th riot was sufficiently egregious as to make him one of the early targets of the left-wing online investigative group Sedition Hunters and earn him a spot as one of the first 20 of the FBI's most wanted on January 6th. The FBI. He was photographed number 16 of the first 20 of their most wanted, seeking information, violence at the United States Capitol, Washington, D.C., January 6, 2021. And they got the picture of Ray Epps talking to somebody. Amazingly now, Ray Epps is referenced as a pre-planner of the Capitol siege in the New York Times' own video documentary they did on January 6 called Day of Rage, how Trump supporters take, pardon me, how Trump supporters took the U.S. Capitol. It was, it was in their own documentary. Ray Epps was. And how for some, storming the Capitol was part of the plan all along. In fact, tomorrow, I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say it. We need, we need to go, I'll say it. We need to go in to the Capitol. Let's go! Okay. The New York Times, which now says that Ray Epps is being maligned and slandered unfairly, they put him in their own documentary about January 6th. Revolver.news continues the very same New York Times that now dismisses so-called conspiracies about Ray Epps refers to Ray Epps in its own definitive video documentary as a rioter for whom, quote, storming the Capitol was part of the plot all along, unquote. Again, the New York Times video documentary features Ray Epps as one of the key orchestrators of the Capitol siege. Here you go. Although the rally is built as a political protest, some make calls to storm the Capitol even before Trump speaks. But now, this recent New York Times piece ominously suggests Ray Epps will sue news outlets, possibly Revolver News and or Tucker Carlson, for defamation. Should Ray Epps sue the New York Times itself then for suggesting that he pre-planned the Capitol attack in its own ostensibly definitive video documentary of that so-called Day of Rage? Again, excerpt from the new New York Times article where they say, To that end, Mr. Epps and his wife have been searching for a lawyer to help them file a defamation lawsuit against several of the people who have spread the false accounts. Should they end up doing so, they would join a list of other individuals and companies, most notably the voting machine producer Dominion Voting Systems and using the courts to push back on the rampant disinformation that emerged again and again during Mr. Trump's efforts to overturn the election, unquote. 
Revolver News says the Times piece also specifically blames the obscure Revolver News for bringing the bizarre case of Ray Epps to the public's attention. The bottom line here is that Ray Epps is a smoking gun of the Fedsurrection narrative. Not insurrection, Fedsurrection. As studiously documented in Revolver News, now classic two-part series on Ray Epps. If it turns out Ray Epps was acting on behalf of some government agency on January 6, 2021, the entire official narrative collapses in one fell swoop. Now, the New York Times is kicking off a massive damage control campaign to make any unsanctioned ideas about Ray Epps too toxic, too dangerous to print. Regime janitors like Alan Fuhr, New York Times, who specialize in mopping up Fed's dirty work, will go into overdrive as more embarrassing information about Ray Epps and the initial breach comes out. Revolver News says we're on to their game. It's too late. The Times piece reports that Ray Epps just wants the truth to come out. Let it be so and stay tuned for much more. That's Revolver.News, a recent article entitled The Hidden Agenda Behind the New York Times' Desperate Puff Piece on Ray Epps. There's so much more. There's so much more about January 6th. There's so much more about good guys with guns stopping bad guys. There's so much more about the horrendous law enforcement failures at Uvalde. I feel like we're just getting started on this edition of the Doc Washburn Show. But I'll tell you one thing. We could not do this without our advertisers. So we certainly hope that you will give them your business. We can't thank our advertisers enough for making this possible. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, redriveryourway.com. You will be glad you did. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? 
Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else. Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401k or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement? Call my friend, Jonathan Presswood, today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there, and there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501-303-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. All right, thanks once again to our friends Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones Financial. Also, Mitch Ward over at RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way. Big old car dealership. Mill USA that believes in freedom. All right, um, this Ray Epps thing, there's really no excuse, right? There's really no excuse that he hasn't testified under oath. There really is no excuse. He hasn't been indicted. He hasn't been arrested. There's, uh, There's no excuse. And they can't explain it away. And, you know, you wonder if the New York Times reporter doesn't even read the New York Times, for that matter. It is remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable. All right, I I, want to update you on some Second Amendment stuff. Um, The Uvalde situation, it just keeps getting worse And I found it remarkable that CNN, of all places, CNN, of all places, did some straight reporting on this. Now, you know, they got a new boss over there. Did you know that? Who kind of wants to give, um, he said he wants to give both sides a fair shake. Republicans and Democrats, conservatives and liberals. So before I get to Uvalde, did you know that Don Lemon was slamming the boss on the air the other day. He was on somebody else's show as a guest. And it really sounded like Don Lemon was trying to get fired. Which, you know, I mean, when you think about it, it really, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Couldn't happen to a more deserving guy, right? 
if Don Lemon were to get fired for taunting the new CEO of CNN, you you really couldn't blame the big guy for firing Don Lemon, could you? No? Yeah, I didn't think so. I think so. So before I get to Uvalde, uh, let me play for you Don Lemon thumbing his nose at the guy who signs his paycheck, the new guy, and trying to get fired because this is just fantastic. We sit around and we talk about these things and we, we want to give this false equivalence to Democrats and Republicans. That is not where we are right now. Republicans are doing something that is very dangerous to our society. Yeah, stand up for freedom. You can't take that, can you? And we have to acknowledge that. We have to acknowledge that as Americans. We must acknowledge that as journalists. You're no journalist. You never have been. You're, you're a partisan hack. You're an activist. Because if we don't, we're not doing our jobs. We cannot sit here and pretend like, well, yeah, Republicans, it's a, cut them a break. Let's, we want to hear whatever. They have a lot to answer for in this moment. Now, you got a lot to answer for, pal. A lot to answer for what happened with the former president of the United States. You mean when your buddy stole the election from him? Why they allowed his antics to go on for so long? Because we believe in the First Amendment right to free speech. Why he is not accountable for, well, see, what he should be accountable for, you don't want him to be accountable for. And that is trusting Fauci and Burks, but that's a whole other show. Why they go along with it and don't say anything. See, because you trust Fauci and Burks, too. They've got to answer for that. Why they are. No, no, no. you got to answer. Whether you agree with abortion rights or not, why they have taken back a right. No, no. Reject the narrative. Abortion rights. How about murder rights? How about rape rights? Huh? How about beheading rights? What a, what a maroon. That was what the you know that was granted to uh, American women for fifty years. There's no constitutional right to abortion. It was granted to men who wanted to pay. To not have to take responsibility for what they'd done to women. They have to answer for. But I don't think Don would understand that too well. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind saying it. I don't think Don really would have a grasp of that one. They have to answer for those questions. If they come here on CNN, they must answer for that. If they go on MSNBC, they must answer for that. If they go on ABC, they must answer for that. And they cannot expect to be coddled when they go on to a news organization or if they step in front of a crowd. We get it. You're a partisan hack. You have no concept whatsoever of journalistic integrity. Of supporters. And so or of voters or of Americans. So we've got to be. So we have a former member of the Oath Keepers who is saying we are in very dangerous territories. Ter territory. We have a history professor who is telling us right now that the GOP is becoming more and more associated with extremists and, that's and radicals. What, and that's specifically what they were talking about. I'm sorry, Don, but putting that little emotion in your voice like Barack did, didn't work for him, doesn't work for you. That was interesting and notable. The suggestion that there's bleed over right. between the Oath Keepers and they talked about, I think they brought up Idaho. It's, and it's, it's merging. It's, it's an, they're, they're merging. 
And we could, let's not pretend. I think people, I think people, even the former president, um, I think even, um, people who are in charge of, of what we, of what the American press puts out, they want to believe. People are in charge of what the American press puts out? What, what, what does that mean, Don? So you don't have journalistic independence? Somebody's in charge of what you put out? Tell us more, Don. That we are living in 1987, the sort of Reagan-esque Republican. That's not where we are right now. No, you're uh, rolling over for the globalists and trying to bring it into this country. Anyway, so Don is pushing back because the new guy in charge of CNN actually wants some kind of journalistic integrity. Apparently, from what he said... So uh, I was kind of shocked that we actually had some random acts of journalism, as the great Maharishi would say. Random act of journalism, a guy named Josh Campbell, who used to work for the FBI and with the CIA and the State Department and all kinds of other stuff, talking about Uvalde, okay, and actually playing an outrageous video clip. But here's uh, here's how Josh Campbell and whoever the anchor is on CNN set it up. Being officers in the wake of something like this. But what about administrative penalties in, in your experience? I mean, is, is there a path to that? Is there precedent? There is. I mean, everything from dereliction of duty to negligence. But as you mentioned, that is more administrative. And we don't yet know what kind of accountability that there will be for the officers who were there on the scene. From the line-level officers up to leadership that were making decisions, we do know that there have been some leaders that have been placed on administrative leave. For example, uh, the city of Uvalde, the individual who was acting as the police chief on that day. He has been placed on administrative leave. We see on new body camera footage obtained by CNN that a 911 dispatcher is relaying to officers about a child who was calling 911, reporting a room full of victims. You hear that information relayed to the acting chief, uh, but there's no audible response for him. So we're told uh, uh, by the city that they're reviewing his actions on that day and the law enforcement response. We also know, of course, the school police chief. He has been placed on administrative leave. And he has come under heavy criticism for treating this situation as a barricaded subject rather than an active shooter. This report, as you mentioned, talks about a number of systemic failures. But take a look at this body camera footage where you actually see uh, something that, quite frankly, I talked to a lot of law enforcement officers that's raising eyebrows. It's him attempting to appeal to the shooter. Watch. Okay. So before I play for you the audio from the video, in which the police chief of the Uvalde School District is trying to appeal to the mass murderer. I mean, if you lost CNN, that's a big deal, new boss or not. So here's a 29-second clip from the video that has been released of the cops in the hallway while the shooting is going on and the wimpiest law enforcement officer I've ever heard in my life, and I'm sure anybody in law enforcement listening to this will be horrified and shocked and furious 
that this guy is actually a police chief of anything. In this case, the police chief of the Uvalde, Texas school district. You'll hear gunshots. And you'll hear him trying to reason with a maniac who is murdering children. Like Richard. I know, I know. Did you hear that? Those are gunshots. Cover, cover. What do you say? What do you say? Just communicate. Can you hear me, sir? Sir, if you can hear me, please put your firearm down, sir. We don't want anybody else hurt. I know, I know. That's what we're doing. We're trying to get him out. You believe that? He's got a maniac in the schoolroom murdering children. And he's like, well, please put your gun down, sir. Sir? Would you, we don't want anybody else to get hurt, sir. Would you please put your gun down, sir? Here's a tighter clip. Sir, if you can hear me, please put your firearm down, sir. We don't want anybody else hurt. I know, I know. That's what we're doing. We're trying to get them out. One guy says we got kids in there. Yeah, I know, I know. We're trying to get them out. Well, by pleading with the guy who's murdering them? You believe this garbage? Seriously. Again, if you lose CNN, new boss or not, you you that's that's quite an accomplishment. So you go back to their uh, Josh Campbell, their their uh, law enforcement, uh, military intelligence expert, and he's not having it. Now, take a look at what the chief told this House committee. He said that when there's a threat, you have to visibly be able to see the threat. You have to have a target before you can engage your firearm. You eliminate the threat when you could see it. I never saw a threat. He heard the threat, though. He could have seen the threat, but he's a coward. I never got to physically see the threat for the shooter. But that, of course, is raising questions. Uh, You didn't see the shooter because officers didn't rush in until over an hour. And so I get a lot of criticism there for that police chief of the school. Finally, we have to note as well that there are a lot of questions remaining for the Texas Department of Public Safety. We know that uh, from the moment this incident began, there were questions about transparency. The head of that agency has been pointing fingers at local law enforcement, saying that they're to blame, that there was a failure uh, to take leadership a failure of command, but of course in this new report that was just released, we see that there were several officers from the Texas Department of Public Safety who were there on that day, but we haven't heard that from these officials. They're quick to point to local law enforcement, uh, but a lot of questions they have to answer as well. If they had officers there, why did no one step up and either assume command or at least tell the other officers, we need to rush this room, we need to help save anyone who might be on the other side of that door? Jim and Paul. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Josh Campbell, thank you. Random act of journalism there on CNN. I mean, they they played it straight. They played it straight. I mean, how many of us who stopped watching CNN decades ago are sitting here going, wait, wait a minute. They played it straight. This is not the regular liberal talking points. I mean, the police chief of the Uvalde School District comes off as a typical lib. So the fact that he's lost CNN, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Now, one of my uh, 
one of the people who's listening to the live stream, for those of you who listen to the podcast later, says NPR reported on the teacher who propped open the door, allowing the killer to enter, but not much has been said since that article on May 31st. Well, um, so I believe it was on the last episode, I had some clips from the three-person panel on the House Committee. The Texas State House Committee has been investigating this for a few weeks. And apparently, that wasn't the only door that was open. Um, Apparently, there were um, massive institutional failures. And apparently, one of the problems also was in the last two months, Uvalde School District is so close to the border, in the last two months, before that shooting, there have been something like 50 alarms going off because of law enforcement and or Border Patrol chasing illegals right by the school or right through, even through school property. So that kind of deadens them, I guess. They kind of were kind of numb to it. And the, the idea there's actually a school shooter, this has nothing to do with illegals we're chasing. Um, they're saying that, I don't know. I don't know how to characterize it. You know, I don't know how to characterize it. I mean, I heard what they said. I read what they wrote, but still 73 minutes until finally somebody from Border Patrol busts in and kills a guy after he's murdered 19 children and two teachers, some of whom could have been saved. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. I ain't gonna lie, fam. I don't know how to wrap my mind around it. Okay, I just, uh, I just don't. It's horrific. So, I wanna, I wanna give you something. The uh, the police chief of Greenwood, Indiana, there in the Indianapolis metropolitan area, uh, speaking out on behalf of the uh, the Good Samaritan that stopped a lot of people from getting killed in that food court at that mall over the weekend. Here's what he said. Um, I did watch the video, the surveillance video, which captured... Um, pretty much the entire incident. I will say um, his actions were nothing short of heroic. Um, he engaged the, the gunman from quite a distance with a handgun, uh, was very proficient in that, very tactically sound, and as he moved to uh, close in on the suspect, he was also motioning for people to exit behind him. Um, he has, to our knowledge, uh, he has no police training and no uh, military background. Wow. That's amazing. Guy's name is Elijah Elijah Dickin. That's just amazing. The uh, WTHR Indianapolis Channel 13 up there 
says the armed bystander who shot and killed the Greenwood Park Mall mass shooter was identified as Elijah Dickin. He did not have a permit for the gun, but was carrying legally under Indiana's new constitutional carry law. And boy, the gun nuts, the anti-gun nuts are just freaking out on social media. They're upset. Because it's supposed to be a gun-free zone. They're upset that he saved people's lives. They said, well, he was breaking the rules. He was breaking the rules. I mean, it's just, um, it's just amazing to me. It really is amazing. They would rather have more people dead. They don't like it when a good guy with a gun stops somebody. Here's one from uh, Breitbart just a couple of days ago. A 26-year-old man who allegedly held a knife to a gas station clerk's neck in St. Charles, Missouri, that's in the St. Louis metro, was shot and killed Saturday morning by a store customer. Fox 2 Now, St. Louis, reports that the incident occurred around 3 a.m. Saturday morning and the police indicated the suspect was traveling in a black SUV that had been stolen on July 15th. So Friday, maybe just a few hours earlier. St. Louis Post-Dispatch notes that the alleged robber entered the store and announced a robbery. He then allegedly put a knife to the clerk's throat and demanded money from the cash register. At one point during the incident, a customer who had just exited the store looked through the window and saw the suspect allegedly dragging the clerk while she was screaming. The customer grabbed the pistol from his vehicle, went inside, and confronted the suspect. The suspect then allegedly walked toward the customer, holding a backpack in outstretched arms and saying, I have something for you. The customer opened fire, and the suspect collapsed. The suspect was pronounced dead at the scene, the clerk had to get treatment for some non-life-threatening cuts received during the alleged robbery attempt. So I wonder if there was anything in the backpack, kind of explosives or anything, or if he was just going to try to get close enough to throw it in the face of the guy with the gun. Never forget, when seconds count, the police, and it's not their fault, are just a few minutes away. Yeah. Just a few minutes away. These are the kinds of stories that the mainstream media doesn't want you to know about. Have you heard this anywhere else? I mean, I know you've heard about the, uh, probably about the, sh- the good guy with a gun taking out the shooter in uh, the mall in the Indianapolis metro because the anti-gun nuts are all upset that he, uh, the good guy with a gun saved lives and broke the rules. But did you, did you hear about the, the one in the St. Louis metro and the, Armed robbery, 3 a.m., Saturday morning. Guy had his uh, had a, a, a knife to the throat of the, um, of the clerk. Was taken out by a guy with a gun, good guy with a gun. I bet you didn't hear about that one. We try to share with you stuff you're not going to hear anywhere else here. We do our level best. 
There's so much more. So much more coming up. A lot of uh, pro-aborts out there wanting to pack the U.S. Supreme Court. Got some audio coming up on that. And some conservatives pushing back. And a lot of pushback on this uh, this climate change hoax, too. Doc Washburn Show is just getting started. Let me once again express how thankful we are to our advertisers. I want to mention a couple of them to you. They make it possible for us to do what we do. Like my friend Justin Minton. M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton. Now, Justin's a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. And he has sure helped me out with the three automobile accidents I've been in since 2019. The Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who've been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin Minton, make sure the Minton Law Firm always works hard for you. Whether you're in a car wreck, hurt on the job, or you or a loved one is suffering from the carelessness of another, if you're in Arkansas, Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195, or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. You have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. All right, thanks again to our friends, our doctors, Jr. and Tanya Crabtree at Arkansas Upper Cervical Center. Also, Justin, Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, my attorney. Uh, let me play you one more on the um, the mass shooting at Greenwood Mall in Greenwood, Indiana. 
And um, this is courtesy of Fox 59 in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. The real hero of the day is the the citizen that was lawfully carrying a firearm. That's um, Chief Isom of the Greenwood Police Department. In that food court and was able to stop this shooter uh, almost as soon as he began. This isn't something that uh, we have seen here in Greenwood before. Um, it, it, it's, it is absolutely horrendous, and uh, our thoughts and prayers are with with those uh, loved ones hurting tonight. Now, police also tell us there was a backpack found in the bathroom by the food court. Police haven't yet said whose it was or what was in it, but it was cleared by the bomb squad. Okay, that's uh, Justin Kohler of Fox 59 in Indianapolis. Last night, again, four people are dead this morning, including the man police say was responsible for this mass shooting. We're told two men were killed at the mall. A man and woman both died at local hospitals. Everyone dead or injured were and are adults this morning. Two others are recovering in nearby hospitals right now, and at last check, they were all in stable condition. Police also tell us that a 12-year-old girl was taken to the hospital, too, yesterday after talking to her parents about getting hurt. Now, coming up, we're going to have more information about how Greenwood police and other surrounding agencies, including IMPD and the FBI, were prepared to come together and quickly spring into action. Now, Jim Eisen, the chief of Greenwood police, who you just heard from talking there, said his goal this morning and continually is to make Make sure that the citizens of Greenwood feel safe. And for that reason, it's not yet known if the mall is going to reopen or not today. Again, we will let you know as soon as we know. But as for the mall and their code of conduct, which we just checked this morning, was last updated April of 2020. It is against the mall's rules for anyone to carry a gun, whether concealed or not, inside the mall premises. But again, after hearing from police, they say, thankfully, that 22-year-old from Bartholomew County was carrying last night. Um, sorry, I, uh, I almost lost it there. It is against the policy of Simon Malls for anyone to carry a gun. But if I understood correctly what the TV reporter said, the people at Simon Malls are thankful that the 22-year-old Good Samaritan broke their stated corporate policy, broke their rule, and stopped more bloodshed. Well, you know, if that's the case, if he is quoting them correctly, let me back it up. Then maybe they should change their policy. Let's just back it up a little. Justin Collar, Fox 59, Indianapolis. This should be far enough back. Make sure that the citizens of Greenwood feel safe. And for that reason, it's not yet known if the mall is going to reopen or not today. Again, we will let you know as soon as we know. But as for the mall and their code of conduct, which we just checked this morning, was last updated April of 2020. It is against the mall's rules for anyone to carry a gun, whether concealed or not, inside the mall premises. But again, after hearing from police, they say, thankfully, that 22-year-old from Bartholomew County was carrying last night. Oh, after hearing from police, they say, thankfully, the 22-year-old was carrying. So maybe it's the police are saying that they're thankful. 
not the people that own the mall, the people that own and manage the mall. Maybe, okay, sometimes, you know, sometimes you got to rewind it and play it again. Okay, now what exactly are you saying, sir? So maybe the mall will uh, keep their policy intact of the real hero of trying to yeah i know trying to make it more easy for a mass shooter huh i mean because that's what gun free zones are they're shooting galleries that guy did not expect somebody to take him out because it's a gun free zone simon malls all over the country have big signs you're not allowed to bring a gun in here got it Oh, it's too bad, man. I was thinking about going to shoot a bunch of people. All right, Brian, hit it. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by Red River Your Way. RedRiverYourWay.com, the big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice. The way you want to. Online, have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States of America. Red River, your way. Our tweet of the day, it's a guy named uh, Jerry Oakley did the tweet. And um, there's a picture of Joe Biden with a microphone. It looks like he's in some sort of a church or a cathedral. And the quote is, my family is very religious. I'm a devout Catholic and my son is a crystal Methodist. Oh! Yeah, I guess Hunter knows all about the crystal meth. All right, that is your tweet of the day. All right. Um. So, oh, 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 I forgot this. Talking about January 6th. AOC, um, she's not all that bright. AOC seems to have admitted that she believes that January 6th was an inside job. Have you heard about this? I didn't think so. I didn't think so. I mean, look, I talk to a lot of different people every day. And you all have different experiences in your life, different times. You turn on the radio, you turn on the TV, you go online looking for some news. So, but um, I try to pay pretty close attention to what's going on and what's out there in the media And I really don't think that I've heard anybody talking about the fact that AOC is alleging that she doesn't know which members of the Capitol Hill police she can trust because she believes that some of them were in cahoots with outside folks on January 6th. So when you think about this, 
the implication is that she doesn't necessarily just think this was some kind of organic thing by Trump supporters. But it might be some kind of conspiracy which would involve some members of the U.S. Capitol Police. Have you heard this anywhere? Have you heard that AOC seemingly spilled the beans on some kind of plot? I mean, why isn't Nancy Pelosi's January 6th committee subpoenaing Alexandria Occasional Cortex, or is... uh, Hunter Biden, uh, not Hunter Biden, Tucker Carlson calls her by the name she was known by when she was still in school, Sandy Cortez. Shouldn't she be subpoenaed by the January 6th Commission for saying this? Really just can't help but think about all of that footage and evidence that we saw the day of all these Capitol Police officers helping and being sympathetic to the insurrectionists on January 6th. And everyone just decided it was too politically difficult to deal with. So they all just brushed it under the rug. And to this day, there has never been an investigation into that. Never. So as a result, we have no idea which officers are safety around. We have no idea if if any of those officers and the ones holding massive weapons were were with were with that crowd or if they weren't. And but if you raise questions about that or if you don't feel safe, it's construed as you attacking the entire institution of public safety. Riddle me that. Riddle me that. And we saw a lot of that show up, not just in our politics now, but even in the State of the Union. Because now both parties are in a contest of how much money they can shovel in the system without critically holding any of it accountable. It is dangerous. And that's where it cuts off. But I think it's weird also because... Um, if you're under 60 years old, I'll explain to you when, or under 65 even, when she says, when she says, riddle me that, that, uh, that's a saying from the old Batman television show back in the 1960s, uh, character called the Riddler played by the, uh, master impressionist Frank Gorshin. So, I mean, talk about a throwback. I mean, wow. But Yeah. Yeah, she's saying we're not allowed to ask. So uh, that's just amazing to me. That is just amazing to me. Now, um, there was recently a group of people, Capitol Hill, talking about how they want to pack the Supreme Court. And it's it's just ridiculous. We'll start with a New Jersey Democrat U.S. Representative Bonnie Watson Coleman uh, slamming the court. A month ago, five reactionaries 
reactionaries in robes decided that we don't have constitutional right to an abortion. Well, it's not in the Constitution, and actually six. But hey, who's counting? In so doing, they showed us that they're willing to eliminate our freedom to make a decision about our own bodies. As you know, the baby has a separate body, but go right ahead. You do you. And the Dodds v. Jackson Women's Health Decision imposes the will of five unelected religious extremists. I'm done. I've had enough of her. You know, here's the thing. Ad hominem, name-calling, ad hominem tends to betray the frustration with the inability to construct a persuasive, coherent argument. So you start calling names. Oh, speaking of calling names, you know that uh, Karine Jean-Pierre? The woman who was made White House press secretary because she's black and lesbian, not because she has any idea what's going on around her or even how to speak the English language a lot of times. Did you hear what she called Clarence Thomas? It should raise concerns. As we know um, from the Dobbs decision, uh, one of the things that uh, we saw uh, from uh, from Judge Thompson is that... <laughs> Judge Thompson. Judge Thompson, did you hear that? She doesn't even know who Clarence Thomas is. From uh, from Judge Thompson. Ah, the Dobbs decision, Judge Thompson. You got a saying here in the South for people like that. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. Are you serious? Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. All right, uh, more from the press conference, people wanting to pack the court, taking on the mantle of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He tried to pack the court. His own party wouldn't let him get away with it. But I don't know if it was spite. I think it was the next opening in the court. He appointed a guy named Hugo Black out of Alabama. Now, do you know anything about Hugo Black? I mean, we criticize uh, Robert Byrd of West Virginia because when he was a young man, he was a Klansman. Well, Hugo Black was a current member of the KKK when FDR appointed him to the U.S. Supreme Court. FDR, by the way, big hero of Bill and Hillary. Did you know that? Oh, yeah, FDR was one of their favorite presidents, a guy that... uh, They played footsie with the Dixiecrats, with the KKK. Put a KKK guy on the Supreme Court. So anyway, and tried to pack the Supreme Court. And now his, uh, I guess, philosophical heirs are trying to pack the Supreme Court because they're upset. Erin Matson is, she used to be with the National Organization of Women, now she's with a group called ReproAction. So she's an abortion enthusiast. Do you trust this Supreme Court for what comes next? No. 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 
Overturning Roe was just the beginning. Now, anti-abortion for- forces are seeking to ban and criminalize interstate travel for patients who want to leave states where abortion is banned. They want to ban and criminalize freedom of speech for organizations and individuals like me who simply share the World Health Organization protocol for how medication abortion works. There are also efforts that they are talking about and developing model legislation for to actually establish official state religions. In short, with this stacked Supreme Court, the entire Bill of Rights is at risk. For abortion rights, for the Bill of Rights, for the future of democracy and individual freedoms, we must act now to save the Supreme Court and to save our country. We must pass the Judiciary Act now. Now, you know what's really funny is that there are members of Congress standing there behind her looking really, really serious. And one of them is a fellow named Hank Johnson, Democrat U.S. Senator from Atlanta, Georgia, Hank Johnson. I don't know if you recall some years ago, Hank Johnson was concerned that the island of Guam might actually tip over. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you you may think I'm kidding. And if you do, you're probably like, oh, that guy. Oh, my goodness. I'm not making this up. That at its widest level is, what, 12 miles from shore to shore. And at its smallest level uh, or smallest uh, uh, location, it's... Uh, seven miles uh, between one shore and the other. Is that correct? I don't have the exact uh, dimensions, but uh, to your point, sir, I think Guam is a small island. Very small. He's uh, talking to uh, Admiral Willard. About 24 miles, if I recall, long. So 24 miles long, about 7 miles wide at the least widest uh, place on the island and about 20, about 12 miles wide uh, uh, on the widest part of the island. And um, I don't know how many square miles that, that is. Do you happen to know? I don't have that. Uh, figure with me, sir. I can certainly supply it to you if you'd like. Yeah, my my fear is that uh, the whole island will uh, become so overly populated that it will tip over and uh, and capsize. Uh, we don't anticipate that. The uh, the Guam population, I think, currently about 175,000, and again, with 8,000 Marines and their families, it's an addition of about 25,000 uh, more uh, into the population. I don't know how that admiral kept a straight face, and I don't know what sort of award would be appropriate, but he should have been given some kind of award for not busting out laughing. So this guy, this Hank Johnson, who thinks that an island in the sea could tip over, could capsize, this guy is giving moral support to these fascists 
who want to pack the Supreme Court. Yeah, this guy's giving the the gravitas, right? The um the credibility to that cause. I wonder how many of these women actually know how stupid this guy is. I'm just saying, because when I saw him standing behind them, I'm like, oh, that's Hank Johnson. I remember what he said. Unbelievable. Uh, next one, Laura Monas of the Sunrise Movement. Justices sided with coal companies over our communities to make it significantly harder for the EPA to do its job of limiting toxic emissions and stopping the climate crisis. Hey. I'm here. Okay, shut up. There is no climate crisis. I don't care why you're here. It's a joke. There's no climate crisis. I now present to you Leonard Nimoy, who played Mr. Spock on Star Trek from the 1970s, quoting the climate scientists and what danger we were in 50 years ago. At least eight times in the past million years, it has advanced and retreated with clockwork regularity. If we are unprepared for the next advance, the result could be hunger and death on a scale unprecedented in all of history. What scientists are telling us now is that the threat of an ice age is not as remote as they once thought. During the lifetime of our grandchildren, Arctic cold and perpetual snow could turn most of the inhabitable portions of our planet into a polar desert. In 1977, the worst winter in a century struck the United States. Arctic cold ripped the Midwest. You got that? The the coming ice age. Okay, so it was 45 years ago, not, not 50 years ago. In the late 70s, they were calling for the coming ice age. All the climate scientists agreed. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And now you got John Kerry trying to figure out how to starve people in Africa. You think I'm kidding? Did you hear what happened to Sri Lanka? When the World Economic Forum put the screws to them and said, hey, you need to stop uh, importing fertilizer? Hear what happened to that country? Well, John Kerry would like to see that in a lot of other countries. So I think that uh, the challenge for all of us now is that no one country can solve this problem by itself. We all have to be able to reduce the emissions. We have to accelerate the transition. We're behind. We're not yet fulfilling the promises that we made in Glasgow. So we have our work cut out for us. And I look forward to talking about that with you. CO2 is a good thing. It uh, helps plants to grow. Either Carrie is too stupid to realize that, or think about it. It's the same Carrie who came back from Vietnam and lied about his brothers in arms. Maybe he just doesn't care. Maybe he just doesn't care. You know what? I will never forget. 
John Kerry running for office in 2004, running for president against George W. Bush. And Bill O'Reilly, Fox News, of all people said, John Kerry's a patriot. The guy who had come back from Vietnam and lied about his brothers in arms, as far as Bill O'Reilly was concerned, he was a patriot. And you think O'Reilly's a conservative. Uh, no. I mean, that, that should tell you all you need to know right there. That should tell you all you need to know. Now, you want an actual conservative? Is Ron DeSantis, best governor in America. How come it's wrong to produce our own oil and gas here, but you can go to Saudi Arabia and fist bump to try to get it from Saudi? I mean, it makes no sense that we wouldn't do it. We have opportunities here to be inner energy independent and not have to worry about any of these other countries, and yet they're intentionally not doing it. And you can't run a modern economy on windmills. You just can't do it. So we do a lot of solar in Florida. It is a complement. It does not displace the traditional forms of energy and so now we're in a situation they're bragging that gas has gone down over the last however many weeks it's still over four bucks like i had never seen it over four bucks in my whole life living here so i mean it's really but that is the problem it's just when you're when you're uh, cranking the printing presses you're making energy more expensive you know that creates an upward pressure on all of this stuff and so the acceleration from may to june um that we saw at the end of june uh, not only was they said it wouldn't happen, then they said it was a blip, then they said it would peak soon. It still didn't peak uh, even after that. And so that's really making it difficult for a lot of people you know, to, to make ends meet. I mean, you can uh, have opportunities for more income. You get a, what, a 9%, 10% pay increase, and that's wiped out immediately with the Biden inflation. So it's a big problem, and certainly from a supply chain perspective. Yeah, it is. It certainly is. Oh, DeSantis. I've been trying to get to this in the last few days. Some of the people in Washington, like, can we actually agree that women get pregnant and not men? Because, because they don't seem to say that. I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable, some of the stuff that you're hearing about that. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely positively ridiculous. It is absolutely positively ridiculous. Man, oh man. Well, I am thankful for everybody that listens, and I'm thankful for our advertisers. You've been listening to episode 197 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. That's the way it is, Tuesday, July 19th, 2022.